0: Welcome to episode number 94 of the Inspirational Athletes Podcast here on the Always Lancaster Podcast Network. I'm your host, sports reporter John Walk with LNP Newspaper and LancasterOnline.com, Lancaster County, PA. Uh, we recorded this week's episode on location out at Spooky Nook Sports Complex in Mannheim. I believe the second or third Friday in July where there was a essentially an AAU basketball tournament going on there. And some of the top college coaches from across the country were all present there. I believe it was a two-day or three-day event over the course of that weekend and it was one of the few times when cocalico alum andy burkholder was able to stop back in his hometown of lancaster county he is now i believe going into his fifth season as the head men's basketball coach at ncaa division two american international college and andy was kind enough to kind of sit down with me out at Spooky Nook. we uh, went back and forth over the course of a couple of weeks trying to line up hey it what day would be good for you what time would be good for you and then uh, Thanks to Spooky Nook Basketball, I don't know, coordinator. I'm probably getting his job title wrong. Jim Shipper for providing us with the executive lounge in which to record. Basically, just did that because if I tried to take an external microphone and record in the cafeteria there... Uh, area of Spooky Nook, we'd pick up a lot of, uh, ambient sound, a lot of basketballs bouncing It probably wouldn't have been enjoyable for you guys to listen to. But anyway, thanks to Spooky Nook for providing that. But yeah, Andy was awesome, man. Kind of just chatted about his journey from his playing days to Cocalico, to Elizabethtown College, to transitioning to the coaching side. He was an assistant coach on that O2 team at Elizabethtown College that reached the NCAA Division III National Championship game and uh, kind of where where he's been at since he left E-Town all over the place and and moving around, trying out different programs, and then finally becomes a head coach a handful of years ago at American International College and uh, achieved a lot of success in that first year and Tried a lot about that journey, but also what the life of a college coach is like, what he looks for um, just at recruiting camps, such as the one at Spooky Nook, and uh, also get into the finer details as far as like, how's basketball changed? How's the game changed over the years? And uh, how have you gone about adjusting as a coach and how's that impacted your style of play? All right, one last programming note before we move forward here. If you guys like what you hear, feel free to hop on iTunes or Google Play, search always Lancaster inspirational athletes in the podcast section and hit subscribe. With all that out of the way onto our conversation, with Andy Burkholder. Yeah, I guess uh, first off, I kind of like to start just as far as some fun questions, kind of icebreakers, just to kind of mm-hmm. get the guests comfortable and stuff. So, when you were growing up, <clears throat> who would you say was maybe your favorite athlete or maybe even coach? Since now you're a coach. Oh wow! Uh,
1: <laughs> I actually didn't think much about coaching when I was when I was younger. Um, my favorite athlete was probably Charles Barkley. I was uh, I was just really impressed with him. I mean, I met him one time. He had a, an athletic apparel shop in Stone Harbor, New Jersey for a okay. period of time. And I think we were there when they they opened it up and he was there signing. And uh, he was maybe 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and then to see what he could do in the NBA, you know, in his prime, he was right, in my opinion, he was right up there with Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was mm-hmm. in top three in, in scoring and mm-hmm. rebounding. Uh,
0: so... Uh, 'Cause yeah. they, they the Sixers can't I don't know if that's the time he was playing for the Sixers, mm-hmm. but their yeah. preseason camps used to be at F Sure. So you were probably a teenager around that time, maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. Didn't know if, I never got I thought that's what you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I ran into him. No, no,
1: no. I never got into I, I played every sport. It wasn't like I was, yeah. you know, just a basketball guy. I was I was a whatever season What other it was sports guy. did you play? I played everything. I played football. I played basketball. Really? I actually played volleyball for a couple of years in high school, and then I played baseball. All right. And I played baseball uh, for a little bit at
0: Elizabethtown. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah. All right. What well, position at baseball? Pitcher. Okay. Yeah. What's What's the hardest you could throw? Or uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. Or I, like, were you more of a throwing junk kind of? No, I was hitters. okay.
1: I was like, I was one of these guys that was, when we figured it out the year I played the entire year. I had back problems, so I I didn't play my junior year. I mm. played only my sophomore year at Elizabethtown, I believe. Okay. And at one point I, I moved up. I was the number two guy behind Gary Yeager. And Gary Gary was really good. Wow. Like Gary was up here and the rest of us <laughs> were Gary played for the in the Phillies organization for a while. And he, yeah, would, he sounds would touch like players. the ace yeah, he's from uh Potstown.
0: Okay.
1: Um I think he's an assistant at Albright uh, or Alvernia. Okay. He was for a while. Yeah. He could get into the 90s. None, the rest of us weren't throwing that yeah. hard. I have no idea, but not, well,
0: not nearly. You like probably that. would have needed like Tommy John after a while. Yeah. Throwing that kind yeah of I, stuff, I get through kind of the lineup
1: one time and then they had
0: me figure um, it out. So. When you were growing up, what did you say to yourself? I want to be this one day. Like, what was it?
1: I wanted to be a truck driver when, truck? I, was, when I was younger. <laughs> All right. I used to draw 18 wheelers. Uh, uh, you know, I live, we live kind of out in the woods, and our house started as a, as a cabin, a family cabin, and then my dad and another guy built the rest of the house onto it. Wow. So we had, in fact, I was talking to my dad about it today, we had about 350 to 400 trees that my dad took down himself over the past...
0: Just on that property? Yeah,
1: just on that property wow. over the past... Uh, we moved there. We were building it when I was two or three. So you know, I'm 43 now. So over the past 40 years, he took down, you know, 350 plus trees. Have those and,
0: handyman skills translated now? Eh,
1: like? I don't think my wife will ever <laughs> listen to this. But no, well, she would say no. I mean, I think I'm handy enough to get myself into trouble, and right. then I need more help. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I do as much as I can around the house, but she doesn't. She doesn't trust me.
0: What are uh, now outside of basketball coaching? Obviously, I, I know you're a father, right? Yeah, for uh, the so girls. I was going to ask you, what are the hobbies outside of basketball, but you're probably pretty busy being a dad. Yeah, really. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, like this month is tough being, you know, having a family mm-hmm. because you're out on the road a lot. Um, you miss birthday parties. You miss things like that that, you know, you really don't want to. Um, and you tell everybody that, but you're still missing them. Uh, but no, we, I have a 10-year-old, 8-year-old, and 6-year-old, and all three of them, all girls, and all three of them right now play soccer, basketball, and softball. Oh, wow. So we're busy all the time. Uh, the only sport I can really help coach is softball, which is in the spring. Okay. Um, cause our, when Because our, between our, when our season's over and the live recruiting starts, I have enough time, and we can schedule recruits, you know, recruiting visits around that stuff, which I do. Um, but I get to coach them in softball, which is awesome.
0: And your baseball skills translate, I guess, uh, it's, to that. It's, I mean, it's pretty yeah. much
1: the same thing, except the, the pitching part of right. it, you know.
0: Um, when you get back home, will the pool be ready?
1: No, no, right. no, no.
0: When, when it is ready, when you dive in, will it be a regular dive, cannonball, belly flop? No, it'll be what's called,
1: a, it'll be what's called a cedar, which we <laughs> used to do at the Adamstown pool back in the day. Uh... Which is like, you know, like the mix between a can opener and uh, okay. you ever hear a can opener? No. It's like you put one leg out straight, you tuck the other All one right. in, and, and you kind of land on your butt, and then you flail back, and it creates this big, big All splash. Right. But a cedar, you just keep your legs together like this and kind of <laughs> land in the water like that. Okay. All right. That's my um, move.
0: Hey uh, your upbringing uh, obviously you went to school at Cocalico, but for those who aren't familiar do you have any brothers or sisters who you grew up with?
1: I have a younger sister was it
0: a th- like kind of an athletic household back in the day in uh,
1: yeah she she played all the sports she played all the sports she wasn't into them as much as I was uh, my family has like a horse background so we have horses ah, nice she was into horseback riding so I'd get drug along to all the uh, all the horseback riding events did and your all family the shows. own horses? Yeah, we have we have horses. I think my parents have, two, I didn't even notice I was in the barn today. I think they have two Tennessee walking horses right now, but my parents are older. They're, they both turned 70 this summer, um, and we're trying to push them out of that a little bit because, you know, right. it's a dangerous, dangerous hobby.
0: It's really odd or, or funny that you bring that up because two weeks in a row now we've had a uh so last week was a Cocalico alum Zenny Baracus. She was way much after you at Cocalico, but mm-hmm. she's now, as a matter of fact, just yesterday was named the NCAA Division II Women's yeah, Across Coach of the, year the Year for the Atlantic I saw that So she was brought up with horses as well. Oh really? Um, so I was, I'll ask you. I'll ask you the same thing because i I've, <clears throat> I've been doing a story. Uh, there's a girl from Penn Manor as we record this out at the national high school rodeo competing in Wyoming right now. Oh, wow. So I've learned through watching her of like, she's only 15, 16 years old, but she's responsible for taking care of these horses, putting the tack on mm-hmm. making sure they get fed it's very much like taking care of another kid and that's taught sure. her that it's made her mature a lot quicker than other kids mm-hmm. in her grade. Did that translate for you at all kind of growing up or not really? I
1: mean, I think like I said I was I never had I was the only I never okay. had my own horse. I wasn't I was interested in the ball, you know, whether it all was right. a football, a basketball, <laughs> a baseball, whatever it was. So I never wanted a horse, but I saw I mean, I was involved in helping clean out the stalls from time to time like I would dread on a you know early on a weekend morning when my dad would tell me the night before that we're getting a load of hay, you know. <laughs> so that means you either have to be up in the loft in the barn where there's no ventilation, or you're on the hay truck and you're throwing them in. All right,
0: that, you what know, there's the
1: there's responsibilities you know yeah. outside of your your own interests. You know,
0: um, you mentioned earlier you also played football. Did you play that yeah. in high school too? Yeah. All right. What position in that?
1: Wide uh, receiver. I was, I was yeah split end. I was free safety, and then I was also the long snapper, and (laughs) kick returner and punt returner. Well, we had a couple guys that did that.
0: All right. Any uh, kick returns for touchdowns? Were you that type of speedy? No, I was not. All right. Just uh, to make sure you get the ball and don't fumble it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, that was not. For those who aren't familiar with your playing days at Cocalico, what position did you play and did you guys do anything postseason wise in districts or anything? No,
1: we missed districts. Uh, in fact we played Johnny Miller and Solanco at home, but we played it a day or two later than we were supposed to because of a snowstorm and because of that they had all the districts, they had to have all the district seedings <laughs> done. And we actually beat them. I think the score was fifty one to fifty. And wow. uh, because of that, we didn't make the districts. Um, no, no.
0: Wow. Um, as far as, like, when does Elizabethtown College come in to play for you? Was it both, like, interested in baseball and basketball for you? Or no. did you just kind of oh, go no. there and then end up playing those? or?
1: No, I, I got recruited to play basketball okay. there. I didn't get recruited to play baseball. That was just kind of a thing that, you know, I wanted to, to
0: I was try. going back, kind of doing my research uh, last night. I found... Um, I'll credit PenLive um, article written by one of my good friends, Gordy Jones, in no, 2015. Gordy's the best. Um, he had chatted with uh, the former Etown coach, <clears throat> legend Bob Schlosser, uh, men's basketball coach. Anyway, described Burke Holder as cunning, um, found ways to make the most of his gifts, and was a sly trash talker. Um, <laughs> is that all pretty accurate to describe your playing days at Etown? I guess I,
1: I didn't realize he noticed I was saying things <laughs> out there. It was, I mean, I kind of. I think I've always had some self-awareness, and I knew I wasn't, you know, our star, and I never was going to be, but I knew that I had a role, and part of what I saw my role as was protecting Ryan Billet, who was our our best player. Um, He was an all-region guy. He was really, really good, and uh, most of that trash-talking and most of the stuff that happened was really in his defense, so he didn't have to do
0: that type of thing. You weren't like a dream on green type of player. No, no, not or, like that. Not like that. The only that. reason I say that because people probably wouldn't remember like Charles Oakley or Dennis Rodman or anything. Yeah, the no, I mean, no, I mean it wasn't, back in the day I wasn't like an enforcer, but um, I you, just stepped in. You mentioned a little bit ago back problems flared up for you in college?
1: No, not in college. I had, okay, that was uh, high school. I had two stress fractures in my bottom vertebrae. It was discovered in, in between ninth and 10th grade. So, yeah, so I actually couldn't play football until my senior year, um, but I, I was able to play basketball and baseball. I had to wear a body, like a plastic shell brace.
0: Your whole playing career, or um, just that year?
1: For two, at least two years, if not, yeah,
0: for two years. Wow. Any yeah. lingering effects now? Uh, no, not that I'm aware All right. of. No. I didn't know if that that prevented you in, in any no, way on the quarter or anything no. like that.
1: No, I played football my senior year and everything was fine.
0: Um, I would transition the coaching side because i got a lot of stuff to, to go over with you as far as sure. uh, that goes. Um, assistant coach at Elizabethtown College immediately after you finished your playing career, 97 through 2002. Um, I was uh, asking the now... Elizabethtown High School head coach Rocky Parise, um, because he was obviously the uh, record-setting point guard for the uh, historic 2001-02 E-Town College team that made it to the NCAA D3 Championship game. And I was just asking him, hey, is there anything interesting that uh, Coach Burkholder that that you know about? He's like, nothing I can think of other than the fact that I was the first player that he recruited. Is that accurate, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, sure. All right. Um, That was my first uh, recruiting So what did you see in Rocky back then? I mean, we saw what he became, but, you know, you were able to find him. And was it obvious from the get-go kind of seeing his skill that first time? Yeah, I
1: mean, when, when we would go see him play, I mean, he was a guy that just, you know, when the ball touched his hands immediately, you know, you're all taught. You know, don't watch the ball when you're dribbling, you know, keep your head up. <laughs> he was a guy that I think just naturally did that, and, and uh, he didn't need to play with the ball. You know, he got mm. it, and he got his head up, and whoever was open got the ball. Mm. And, you know, that's a skill that uh, I think you either have or you don't have. You know, you can... You can tell guys a 100 times to do it, but if they have that skill, they have, it. and that's what he was really, really good at for. Us.
0: That 0102 uh, team, your last year as an assistant at E Town, obviously makes it to the D3 championship game. The Gordy Jones article from a few years ago noted how you have a picture of the opening tip off from mm-hmm. that, that game, still, I guess, at the debt in, my in your desk, office. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, and that team, I have that team's picture behind me.
0: Yeah, I could probably ask you a million things, but just kind of summarize it. Um, what do you think? I don't know. maybe it's a dumb question, but like, what do you think made that team so good to to make that historic uh, run in the postseason?
1: Well, obviously, you know, you have to start with talent. We we had obviously mm-hmm. enough talent to do that with, uh, you know, a, a number of the guys that that played for us. But I think it was the, you know, it's the stuff you see on Twitter all the time that everybody's you know kind of making careers out of, like how to, like what the culture should be like, and so on and so forth they just kind of had it like they were really close they were really good friends um that's hard to teach yeah and you know I I think you either have it or you don't Mm -hmm. uh we all try to do it with our recruiting and finding the guys that fit and that are going to get along but they they really really got along I think they're genuinely best friends uh if you ask Rocky I think they all stay in touch Mm -hmm. you know um couple of them i think might even still live together or near each other wow. and right. i'm sure they were in a lot of weddings together all that sort of stuff and there was there was just that innocence to them yeah. you know like it, it it wasn't it wasn't about me nobody ever thought it was about them why we were so good you know so then i think i think overall the sacrifice you know a lot of guys sacrificed a lot of things to, to be good i
0: forgot to ask you this earlier um what I don't know, when did you kind of realize, like, coaching was a thing for you or when you tried it, I guess?
1: Really when I tried it. Um, You know, I had another semester to finish up. I had one or two classes um, after my playing career was over, after four years. So I had to come back that fall and just take a class or two. I could have did it over the summer, but I didn't really want to So did like a
0: graduate assistant or just help out? I just,
1: well, after my senior year, we did a trip to England, Ireland, and Wales. And on a, I think it was on a ferry on a ferry ride between, you know, the the, the countries. I, I said to Coach Slosser, you know, we sat down and I asked him. I said, you know, I I got to come back. I'm going to live in town. I'm not sure what to even do with myself because for all these years since I started playing sports, I've had a practice to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, not just during basketball because, like I said, I played all three sports in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time, so I asked if I could help out. So it just kind of started then.
0: You, uh, so Etown College, '97 to 2 um, '02 to '04 at Springfield College as an assistant, and then the 0405 season at D2 Shepherd as an assistant, and then landed American International College uh, from 2005 through 2011 as the uh, assistant basketball coach. There, become the uh, American International director of compliance in 2011 at which point um, stepping away from coaching just for a little bit to I guess essentially focus on the family you probably had young kids at that point
1: uh, really honestly John just to, I needed to make a little more money okay I, I knew my third daughter was coming along <laughs> and um, my wife said all the right things do do what you want you know we'll figure it out but I was offered the director of com- compliance position mm. which, all that deals with that deals with all the NCA regulations the eligibility the amateurism all the stuff that nobody wants to deal with um but when you're not making any money you know even just a little bit is significant and i knew like i said the third daughter was coming and uh so i took it and now and at the time the athletic director not a verbal agreement but he said you know if 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 art leaves art leftowski was the mm-hmm. head coach at the time um I can't promise you the job, but we'll consider you. Yeah. We, we'd seriously consider you. For
0: uh, I was going to ask you about that, so thanks for uh, kind of, in a nutshell, wrapping up what a director of compliance does. <laughs> um, has that helped you in any way in your coaching role uh, now? Because I imagine, like, okay, you had been an assistant forever, you had been a college player, but it's probably until you're in that and you look at the fine print, there's probably rules that you realize, wow, I don't know, I'm kind of curious if that tremendously. carries Tremendously.
1: I mean, in, in fact, I guarantee <clears throat> you today when I sit out here in the courts, somebody will ask me a compliance question because <laughs> all, all the guys that know that I did it, I, get, I still get phone calls. I probably get two phone calls a month okay. from colleagues in, in college coaching, from prep school coaches that I worked with or knew or recruited, and, and they're constantly asking me compliance questions. But I think, more, I think where it really helped me was seeing the, just the administrative side of things and see why decisions are made because as a coach, you have blinders on. Right. You're worried about your program you know, you want the other programs to do well but you're worried about your program and when you sit on the administrative side you're worried about everybody and uh i think that's made me more empathetic and that's made me a lot more calm than, than, than maybe i, I would have been because i don't get worked up about the decisions that administration makes because i know inevitably they're mm-hmm. doing what they think's best you know for all of us not just men's basketball
0: um sorry to fast forward here again October 2014 when you become AIU's head men's basketball coach you know it's a few years after you were out of of coaching for a few years but uh you know you had been an assistant forever you had been a player before that there's always that that decision where you're like okay I'm ready to take this leap I'm ready to become a head coach that's kind of a big leap I Mm -hmm. mean once you're in it you're fine but like I'm kind of curious what went was it a uh, difficult decision was as soon as I came up in a no-brainer for you like
1: oh it was a no-brainer okay it, it wasn't like i considered and, and it wasn't offered to me it yeah it was a it was a national search mm-hmm. you know we, we i went, mean just as
0: far as we, applying oh no there brain. was no yeah
1: yeah no there was no hesitation at all in fact i got rejuvenated again and now and i don't know nobody would know this but in between there so i had three years out of right. college coaching the first year i did nothing okay i just did compliance and I drove every my wife crazy my kids crazy
0: (laughs) you're home too much
1: then in our own hometown where where we live now it's it's Southwick Massachusetts it's the home of Rebecca Lobo Um, the the high school position became open and I applied for that and I got the high school job so I was a head high school coach for two two years prior to taking the head job at AIC so
0: you're still scratching that itch yeah yeah
1: and that was great
0: yeah was great well have you met Rebecca, has she come around? No, come she
1: out? was at, uh, her daughter played my daughter in a softball game about a month ago and yeah. she sat on the other side and I saw her but I didn't.
0: Yeah. That makes me feel old because it's like I grew up watching her and then now you say her daughter played mine. It's like, yeah, I guess yeah. she is. Uh, she, she, she lives is in the town just well. south of us. In um, 2014-15 season, uh, Coach Holder's first year as the head basketball coach at American International College Yellow Jackets. Most successful season in two decades. Won the Northeast 10 Conference Championship. First since 1994. when 24-7 seven overall, reached the NCAA tournament. Uh, coach quarter was named uh, BennettRank.com D2 Coach of the Year and NABC East Region Co-Coach of the Year. Um, first off, that Could first –
1: Did you say that all again? <laughs> <laughs>
0: if you really want, I'll probably butcher no, it the no, second no, no. time. Um, that Anytime a, a coach goes to a new program, I guess technically, yeah, you're a new coach, but maybe you had known the players a little bit. I'm wondering, having success in that first year – Um, I just think it's really impressive because it's a new system you're probably installing a little bit. You have to realize what players you have and what fits, what works, what doesn't. And oftentimes that can be really challenging. And you went in there, I don't know, making it easy is probably the wrong description. But I'm just wondering how you got everybody on the same page.
1: Well, uh, we had a lot of help. And what other people don't realize either, I I wasn't officially hired as the head coach until October 1st. Now the head coach left, he took a job with the Detroit Pistons, He's, he was their advanced scout, he left in June. The search went on, there was like a freeze with hiring or something, and the search, and it was open, and they didn't do interviews until September, wow. so I wasn't, I wasn't really involved, <clears throat> but uh, Chris Orozco, who's currently still our assist, my assistant coach, okay. he was there, and he really set the groundwork. Now... I guess I could say he it. Yeah, we we, we talked as if I was going to get the job, like we had hoped, mm-hmm. um, because you know he knew I was going to keep him, and uh, he really helped lay the groundwork. And then I had a volunteer guy that jumped the board, uh, Joe Krupinski, who, who okay. really helped out. He's out in Kentucky now as a head coach. So um, to
0: give people an idea, you're hired like probably first week days, in October, fourteen days
1: before practice. Right. Started. Okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. All so, right. So
1: those two guys were doing all the 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 lifting the conditioning um, we have our own strength and conditioning people but they were there but they were doing the individual workouts and we were talking on the side as to well if I do get this job here's yeah here, here's what I want to do so
0: there's two weeks of practice before the season starts are you intensive as far as okay I'm installing all this we need to be ready by game one or are you just kind of here's a talent and we'll work it in the season yeah for those, or, okay. that's kind of
1: more my personality yeah. um, you know we're We'll figure it out. You know, right. there's there's a lot of time in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Some of my colleagues might not agree, but, you know, we, we go four weeks before you play a real game. I mean, right. it, it's a long time.
0: Um, since we're kind of at this point of the year where you're really recruiting, um, okay, now you're going into uh, fast forward into the fifth year as the, the head basketball coach. So all the players on the team this coming season will probably be the players that you recruit. So with that being said, give people an idea of, like, what is this month – in july like what is that like in particular for a college basketball coach like you well
1: for you know it's different for every level i mean uh for us it it can be crazy it can be whatever we want it to be you know Mm -hmm. most of the guys that we want right now don't want us you know they 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 want the division one scholarship Mm -hmm. um so sometimes we have to see where their recruitment ends up you know so a lot of it is fine is seeing finding guys we like starting the recruiting process as far as really just communicating with mm-hmm. them but then seeing what other offers they have and, and seeing where where their current reality really lies um, this year is a little bit different for us because we're, we're only going to have one senior graduate next year um, now of course things can happen with you know other yeah. guys leaving or, or issues but right now we're only projected to have one scholarship for next year um, and we're bringing in four new scholarship guys this year one of which could be a forward, could be more right. of a wing, so we kind of need the season to really play out.
0: So us. I guess to, to kind of summarize that or, or make it clear, like class of 2019, you're probably only maybe have one or two roster spots essentially is from this class. So sure. with that being said, then, are you looking at like class of 2020, 21 more so,
1: or so? Ironically, there's a – kid from the class of 2020 that's here today that has shown some interest in us and i think he's a pretty good player so i'll try to see him play without
0: naming names like at, at camps like this or showcases like what is there anything that stands out or is there a checklist or anything that you're looking for uh, even today that that you're going to be watching in a player
1: yeah oh yeah i mean talent is is obvious i mean you know you can pretty much see who can play and who can't play i like we like to find guys that and i'll go in ascending order um, that, 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 that can make scoring passes, that's been something that I've always thought that if I get a chance, if I get my, my shot at being a head coach, I want as many guys on the court that can make scoring passes, you know, passes that, that, that lead to buckets mm-hmm. right away. Not not to be fancy, but, mm-hmm. you know, the ball leaves their hands when it should. So I look a lot for that. And then the biggest thing we look for, aside from talent, is like body language and what kind of teammate they are. And I don't think enough kids. I don't think kids can read that on social media enough. Mm-hmm. Um, when they come out of the game, what's their body language like? When they're sitting on the bench, are they genuinely happy for their teammates? Are they encouraging their teammates?
0: Are you uh, so much radical to the point that like, if a kid has the wrong body language and some goes bad, you immediately cross them off and?
1: Uh, pretty much. Because okay. you know, there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of guys that can play now. You know, yeah. a lot of guys out there. We have. We have a kid from Toronto on our team who was at a junior college in Florida.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, we have uh, a returning sophomore who's from Orlando, Florida. Um, you know, we, we can recruit anywhere, um, you know, with the technology right now. We can get game film within five minutes. And uh, so, yeah, we, we just kind of move on because, right. you know, at our level, none of us are getting paid enough right. to deal with that. And I spend, I tell everybody that we recruit, I spend more time with them from October through March than I do with my own three daughters. Mm-hmm. And I better like you, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, because it's, it's not worth it if I don't.
0: Um, kind of some some questions that don't fit a timeline. It's not every day I get this across from a college basketball coach. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of curious, the game's changed a lot since you're playing days, just in terms of the style, how it's played. It's probably gone from inside and out to now outside mm-hmm. and in. Um, with that being said, I didn't know I don't know, have you adjusted your coaching style in a sense of, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like so many kids are coming outside in nowadays shooting three-pointers as opposed to going to the hoop first. I don't know if, if that's affected the type of players that you recruit or, or changed your style or adjusting in any way.
1: Yeah. The, uh, I, I don't know if it's changed. I think you just kind of react to, to the personnel you have on your yeah. team. Um, this past year, I thought we had a, a nice team uh, we ended up 11 and 17. Uh, we couldn't make a shot. Uh, we were—I think there's 319 teams in Division Two, and statistically, we were like 315th in the country in catch and shoot efficiency. And that's like the largest percentage of your offense. You know, it's like it's usually like catch and shoot, and then transition, and then like everything else. You know, off screens. Um, dribble penetration all that sort of stuff so uh that that's something we really need to address now part of that was we had some injuries we had one guy that didn't play all year that we thought was going to be that guy for us and he was just injured all year um so we put a premium on on shooting and that that's this recruiting class three of the four guys that we brought in are either good or great shooters and uh So, yeah, I guess maybe we have adjusted. Because in the past, we wanted to be just really long and athletic and be able to rebound, which we were last year. We were were really good defensively. We just couldn't put the ball in the hoop at the other end.
0: I'm glad that you mentioned shooting efficiency because my next question for you is going to be the analytics side of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously, you know, D2 level, you're not going to be – Able to get as deep as analytics as we would say the NBA. Like Mm -hmm. the big stink a few months ago was LeBron James is slowing down his average time on the court and and whatnot. Well, maybe he's just resting or whatnot. But um, on that note, what types of numbers do you guys look at? Maybe after a game or coming into the next practice after a game that really tells you the the good picture. Like, do are you heavily relied upon numbers more so now than five ten years Uh, ago?
1: Yes and no. We try to keep a good balance with that you know um i still like to go off feel a lot in games you know like who's hot you know versus who's who's a better shooter and percentages and all that sort of stuff Um, we do have there's a system called synergy out there um it's a video editing software and then they they spit back by by the time you get into the office the next day the whole game's cut up Wow! and it's the same system i think the nba uses in all division one and there are analytics on there, so you can see players' efficiencies and all that sort of stuff. So you can see what they're good at and what they're not. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's very very accurate. Right. Um, at our level, what I what I've found, at least at AIC, you know, I, it's myself, we have one full-time assistant coach, and this past year we had a volunteer assistant, but he's not in the office. He's there for you know practices and games. There's only so much time in the day, and. Uh, you know, so we have to do everything. Like, I don't have an operations guy that's figuring out travel and where we're eating. Um, we have <laughs> that's one... stuff I
0: didn't even think about. We yeah. have
1: one manager uh, who actually doesn't even get paid. I give him a travel suit, and he's at every practice, and he keeps track of the score. You know, the scoreboard for us are in practice, but we don't have, like, at the higher levels, they have mm. 12, 13, 14 managers. You know, we have to take the balls out for mm. practice. we got to make sure all the balls are in. We... You know We're doing everything, so to me, what we've really tried to put a premium on, and I haven't done a great job the past couple of years, more so than than worrying about the statistics from the night before, I worry about where the guys' heads are at and the relationships that we have with them, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I'm going to try to do a lot better job of this year. But sure, we sit there, and we look at the box score, and we get on Synergy, and we, we're looking at everything, what we're good at, what we're not, but... Like I, I, didn't need synergy to tell me that we we're the three hundred and fifteenth best team in the country at spot up shots. You right. know, uh, I saw you, us miss nine wide and open. That's a technology threes. you didn't have that when you were playing I, no, no, back no. in the day either. I like, saw us could, miss yeah. nine wide open threes in our last game. I, I, I didn't need that.
0: You've been touching on it these last few minutes just as far as relationships with players, and I wanted to ask you. You know, you're you're also at home. You know, you're a husband, you're a father to, to what three kids now, and then um, you know you have. Probably fourteen twenty players on a given season. Um, so you got to almost you know you're so much heavily involved in their lives. How do you juggle? I guess, first off, there's different roles and also staying tight on all those relationships um, and just being efficient at, at all those three as far as relationships goes. Like, it's probably a different, like, a kid on your team as opposed to being a, a father to your daughter and stuff like that. I'm just wondering how you've gone about learning to be successful at those roles. Yeah,
1: well, I don't know that I'm successful at okay. both of those. I think it's I think you're constantly learning, and it's probably once or twice a week I realize, you know, Oh man I've taken what happened at home today with me into practice mm-hmm. or or vice versa and you know you you try to have a clear line in between those mm-hmm. two um, my, my three daughters make it pretty easy right now because they're they are still little and cute and, and <laughs> innocent uh, at ten eight and six uh, that they kind of slap me out of it when I walk in the door you know, they asked me if we won or lost, if we won at the game, or how practice was. But then, you know, the next question is, do you like the, the coloring that I did, the, the drawing Sounding I like did?
0: like another eight years, all three of them are going to be teenagers. No. Oh. <laughs> <I'll,
1: I'll
0: laughs> three probably, teenage girls. I
1: yeah, I don't know about that. I, um, I'll be running to practice. Right. I
0: um, and you're looking like you're in pretty good shape. Are you still playing today? No,
1: no. no. I haven't. No, I don't play much. No. I had a, a hip a hip surgery. I had a hip, my hip replaced. Right before that went on during the interview process to get the head coaching position. Oh wow! So it's been like um, a couple years. Yeah, there. no, I don't. I don't really do much of anything. I just, I just don't go out to eat that much.
0: All right, just watch what you <laughs> eat. Um, last question for you, and this is kind of the point where. I like to ask guests if there's any life advice that you can kind of leave people with that either might improve them as a person or maybe they're going through a tough circumstance right now in their life. And being that you're a coach, I imagine you probably could have a whole book of philosophies and stuff like that. But I don't know if there's a, some piece of words of wisdom that you could leave us with.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, I would say just what I tell our guys, like, you know, whether they whether they learn, you know, some X's and O's from us or we teach them a good skill or we help them become a better you know, forward or guard or whatever it is. I want them to leave there understanding that, n- number one, like our only team rule is bring value. Try to find try to find a way to bring value in everything you do. And if you're bringing value in everything you do, you're going to be fine. Um, and along with that, we have a couple standards that I tell them that are non-negotiable. You need to come in with a great attitude every day. Um, you need to be giving your best effort at all times and you need to treat people really really well and if if you have a good attitude if you're giving your very very best and you're treating people which i tell them to me is the most important thing that you treat people really well you'll be successful and you'll 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 find peace and happiness and whatever wh- wherever you're at right now
0: awesome well hey if you guys uh liked what you're here today and you'll enjoy the previous 93 episodes. Uh, we mentioned a bit earlier, last week we chatted with Cocalico alum Zenni Um As we record this, it was only the day after she was named the IWLCA Division II Atlantic Region Co-Coach of the Year in Women's Lacrosse after leading East Stroudsburg the final four this past spring season. Next week, um, we'll be sitting down with new for Bible College men's basketball coach, Andrew Wingreen. Um, I'm always looking for any future guests on the show, so if you listen to this and think, hey, I knew this person, they'd be great, Through me an email, jwalk at lnpnews.com, or contact me on the Twitter at lnp Coach, um, anywhere where we can find you or uh, follow American International Basketball going forward?
1: Yeah, I think our, our Twitter is... Uh... Mm-hmm. And, uh, A-I-C underscore M-B-B and A-I-C yellow
0: website and at A-I-C athletics um, is the uh, athletics handle for the school yeah. and coaches at Andy D. Burkholder um, with all that out of the way I just want to say thanks to uh, colleagues Tyler Huber and Irene Snyder they are the engineers who get this thing put together thanks to another colleague Claudia Esmenschede she gets this thing up online thanks to Spokey Nook for hosting this uh, shout out to Jim Shipper for lining all this up And thanks to you guys and gals for listening. Coach, thanks for uh, sharing your story, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Awesome. Good luck with everything. Thanks.